another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Joining me today, uh, I've got a wonderful man uh, who does a lot of things uh, out here in Milwaukee. Uh, he is a candidate for Milwaukee County Supervisor. Uh, he's the owner of Bounce Milwaukee, the Family Fun Center, the same. And he's a, a part of uh, the organization The Prawn, which uh, uh, is whose mission statement is to uh, you know, uh, advocate for workplaces, uh, uh, treating their employees right, which is great. Uh, I'm here to talk to him uh, about uh, all the wonderful things he does uh, here in the city, his career, and uh, all of his passions. So, uh, thanks for being here, Ryan Clancy. Thanks for having me, Ben. This is fantastic. You're welcome. How did I do there? Did that I describe great. you well? You got almost everything. I'm a renaissance man. It's kind of hard to fit everything in. Yeah, there. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, um, yeah, you, you do have, like, a... You allocate a lot of time and effort into a lot of different initiatives, which, quite frankly, is an amazing kind of person to be. I, I butt heads with a lot of different people, mm. a rich and varied uh, assortment. Yeah, I love your uh, the I love the profile picture on Facebook with Scott Walker. The I'm with Stupid. Oh, that's, that's great. That's right. <laughs> Shout out to Photoshop and uh, and related uh, editing software. <laughs> Photoshop might not be my strong suit, but uh, it's not mine either. <laughs> but it's still great that stuff like that exists, right, you know. Right, right. Mm. So how are you doing today? Pretty good. It's good. I just uh, just took a break from knocking on doors and meeting our neighbors. And oh, it's, uh, it's it, the weather's you know cooperating much better than it has been. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, it was fifty yesterday. Yeah. Uh, walked to work uh, in short sleeves, which I think was a little over the top, but but it is it's very it, Wisconsin though. Yeah, totally. Uh, it is very comfortable um, and. Uh, so you've been knocking on doors today. How's it gone? Good, really good. I think it's um, it, it sounds like a grind, and I've, I've been knocking so many doors. Mm -hmm. You know, some mornings I get up and I'm like, ah, the, the first couple are hard, but it really is. Uh, it's a great way to meet your neighbors and to kind of understand like your neighborhood and all the communities yeah. that we're a part of. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a neat excuse to do that. Sure. And, uh, and to see how much we really have in common. Yeah, that, that absolutely. And I mean, any anyone who's politically minded, uh, like that's a great trait to have for sure. To like, you know, actually having real conversations and being accessible to, you know, your neighbors or folks in the community that you may not even that you may not be personally connected to or may, it may not be in your comfort zone, but mm -hmm. having those conversations is especially yeah. urgent for sure. And, the, and the, I mean, the best thing is like bringing my kids along. So yeah. on the weekends, you know, my, uh, my 10 year old especially loves coming with me. And uh, it's really neat to expose him to, you know, to people in places that he wouldn't normally yeah. see. And now when we go somewhere, like he knows people on every block and he's yeah. been to those houses and like, oh, yeah, that's dogs that. are really excited. Right. right. It's like, oh, that lady lives there. Or, oh, like that family is right there. And like, they're so excited right. about what we were doing. That house has a Gadsden flag, but really right. likes our public services. For yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what neighborhood were you in today? Uh, boy, I was um, actually not too far from my house, so in, in Bayview, oh, uh, sure. kind of near the highway. Very nice. Great. I'm a, I am love Bayview. Um, my goal is to, uh, once I make a little more money, I want to relocate there at some point because, I mean, some of the best food in the city is yeah. down there. Great restaurants. Great restaurants. Uh, Cactus Club is right there. Mm -hmm. That's like my favorite venue in yeah. town. Um, yeah, Bayview is it's a... 
It's a very special neighborhood for sure. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of really progressive restaurants too. So yeah. We have, uh, yeah, a lot of really neat, uh, neat places that are, I think, increasingly um, not afraid to kind of take a stand and kind of yeah. put their businesses out there. Totally. Yeah, I haven't been to Good Kind. I haven't been oh, to Odd Duck. I just walked by a good kind. Yeah, yesterday when I was doing doors a couple times. Oh, and, nice. And it smells so good in there. Too. Yeah. So. See, these are the places that the, these are the places I need to like make it out to. But um, money, you know, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta. Well, I, let's talk about money in the service industry. Oh, yes. That's a really good segue. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Good, good cue, Ryan. Thanks. Great cue. Yeah. Money in the service industry. Um, yeah. So uh, I was saying right before we started recording. Um, so I work uh, in a kitchen. I'm a dishwasher at Company Brewing uh, right down the street here on Center and Fratney. And uh, yeah, I've been working in the service industry for a couple years now, you know, like I mean, I worked at, I was a host at Moe's Irish Pub downtown at one point. I was, uh, I was at the Metro Market in Sherwood shucking oysters at one point. Uh, I was at Starbucks. Um, you know, so I've, I've had a myriad of like different jobs, but one thing that I have, that's kind of like something I look for in a workplace is being valued for the, for the energy and for the uh, skill sets and for just the, you know, the humanity that not only myself, but everyone in the workplace brings. And, you know, we are being valued for who we are as people is what I feel like makes a workplace. So, um, you know, is, you know, what makes people want to come to work every day, you know, and like want to like actually carry out the duty and be excited about it. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's, you know, I mean, my my wife and I, uh, when we opened up Bounce, uh, were reluctant small business owners because neither of us had kind of a business background. Yeah, um, I was you know an activist and organizer, former teacher. She came at it from the nonprofit world as well. Um, she was at, at Peace Action uh, at the time when we got the uh, we, we got the idea. Sure. Um, so we approached opening a business in a much different way, and I think some of the other some of the first um, restaurant owners specifically that we ran into didn't share our values in terms of um, you know, wanting to have employees uh, that had not only dignity, but like, you know, a living wage and, yeah. and being able to, uh, you know, I mean, like typically when we get a new employee, they, they count on us being one of their two or three jobs. And that's not the way it should be. Nobody no. should have to hustle and, and you know right. work out those schedules and all that. Especially this time right. of year when the oh, service yeah, industry right. is so slow. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is really rough. And uh, two years ago, I went to um, the Wisconsin uh, Restaurant Association had something called Leg Day. It's sort of their lobby day where mm-hmm. they go around to uh, generally Republican um, uh, state senators and, and uh, assembly people, and they uh, s- attempt to speak for the whole restaurant industry. Um, and I had. We had known Bounce for, for many years, but they had just gotten on our radar. I had assumed that they were a pro-restaurant advocacy organization, yeah. which they are not at all. They are very anti-worker, and they, uh, they're really the reason that we have um, such a low minimum wage right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it was rough. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to see what we can do to kind of pull this left and to make it more fair and equitable. Right. So I, I kind of dropped in on their, their lobby day. Um, which had this terribly catered food, which is weird oh. for the or, or restaurant oh. association. And it's one thing for the craft sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, 
it didn't start well. Like I sat down next to a local Milwaukee-based proprietor, and he started the conversation with me by, by saying, basically, can you believe that that MPS, you know, our big school district, um, wants to change their start date without consulting us first? And I said, well, well yes, because the point of education is not to provide us cheap labor. It's right. like education. And yeah. as a former teacher, I was like, right. yeah, that actually, that's that seems sort of normal. Like, why would they ask us? You know, as a restaurant industry, they're not they're not here to serve us. Yeah. Um, and then I had a conversation with this gentleman um, in which he. I said, you know, we eventually got to, could you pay your employees more? And he said, essentially, yeah, I, I could, but they would just use it to have more babies and do more drugs. I'm like, wow, this is, you're a terrible person. Wow. And not all of my conversations with, uh, with people within the Wisconsin Restaurant Association were that um, awful, mm. um, but I came away from there thinking, like, I don't want to be a business owner. I don't want a restaurant. Yeah. Um, and uh, then followed them around in the capital saying, uh, essentially, this organization does not speak for us. The things that they're advocating for, so lower wages and, you know, like not pay, uh, they defeated uh, paid time off uh, for employees. So a couple of years ago, uh, Milwaukee uh, County said that if you were a, an employer of a certain size, uh, your employees were entitled to 10 uh, sick days or that you could use them for, for whatever you want, sure. essentially. Yeah. Which makes a ton of sense. Especially makes sense today with the coronavirus outbreak yeah. um, happening, and I know that there are restaurant employees who will come to work sick because they won't—they won't have a paycheck, they won't have the tips that they yeah. need in order to. Make We've all sick. been there. I know, I know. You know, yeah. <laughs> so it was, yeah. I mean, it was absolutely brutal to 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 see so many people uh, in this organization that uh, pretends to speak for the whole industry. Yeah. Um, and uh, we came back to Milwaukee. We started talking to some of the more progressive business owners, both in Milwaukee and Madison, and now we're spreading a little bit wider, and made uh, Prawn, which is the Progressive Restaurants and Activists of Wisconsin Network. And when we sit down and we talk about employees, we don't accuse them of doing drugs or having babies with the money that we so graciously give them. We talk about how to provide health insurance, how to yeah. raise wages, but do it in a, in a way that doesn't put ourselves out of business. Right. Um, and it's uh, it, it's been amazing to surround myself with better people, awesome, um, yeah, and better business owners. And um, yeah, you should uh, you should go to Good Kind, you should go to Odd Dog, you should yeah. go to uh, Cafe Lulu, and all those those right. progressively owned restaurants. Oh, that's there, great. there really are great ones here. Shout out to all of those places. Um, yeah, all three. Lazy of Susan as well. I mean, they're all, they're all fantastic. All four of four of them are on my list of places I got to go to, but. Yeah, I'm super glad that you are bringing light to this issue because no workplace should be treating their employees like they're doing them a favor by keeping them by keeping them on payroll. Like, you know, that's for one. It's like for somebody to say that, to make that presumption that uh, employees are, you know, being are using money or benefits like in such a like. Um, irresponsible way or I mean for one it's like that's not even anyone's business seriously right yeah so many layers of what the hell yeah like that's just that, that's just such a harmful and also just really uh, toxic presum like presumption to be making about anybody right. you know like yeah. and it's like then why are you even in this industry right you know like I like you know no small businesses uh, that are providing service and hospitality should be uh, operating under the under an exploitative for-profit nature Absolutely. like you know why like you should be entering this industry because you want to provide 
positive and and memorable and uh, community-based experience for not only your patrons but mm-hmm. for your employees and you know and you should want to be treating them like with uh, with benefits and respect and and value and uh, where I work at Company Brewing like they they we they do a good job at that too like I mean they they know I'm in touch with the music scene and that like I this job that I have there is not like my only hustle that like I, I do a lot of stuff on the side like creatively and I and now they're letting me. We're also a live music venue. They're letting me do booking once a month now. That's you know because right. they That's they listen yeah, to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know they they heard what 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 I wanted, what my goals or my personal goals were, and it aligned with their own goals. And right. that's for and like, anyone in the restaurant industry to be like it's it's kind of like the in the the way insurance companies work too. You know uh, where they're working the hardest to provide as minimal as possible, like raises a lot of questions over like where these people like what their incentives were to enter this industry in the first place right. and that's yeah and, and that's what kills me too and the more and more i mean all of the evidence that i have is that you know you have one group of, of restaurateurs who sit around saying how to be provide health insurance yeah. without going out of business right because yeah. it's irresponsible to do something that'll put you under how do we raise wages without going out of business yeah. and every piece of evidence that i have suggests that we need to legislate this we have mm-hmm. to put things in place so that um, the place down the road that you know starts suddenly paying their servers fifteen dollars right. an hour plus tips um, is not going to go out of business. So we right. do have a level playing field. Yeah. And exactly. to that end, th- this last year, the uh, we we helped collaborate on a piece of legislation. Uh, it was SB, say four eighty three, or AB four eighty three. Sure. Um, and what that would do is. Um, it, it would mean that if you're a restaurant paying at least the full minimum wage plus tips, right? So to, for, for, as I'm sure you know, many bartenders and servers make the uh, incredibly low two thirty three an right. hour plus yeah. tips, right? Yeah. So if, if you're one of the ones uh, like we do, paying the full minimum wage plus tips or more than that, mm-hmm. um, then you, you you would still take in sales tax, but you wouldn't send it to the state at the end of the month, right? Um, and that's uh, it's a significant amount of money. It doesn't cover that whole you know five dollar an hour gap, mm-hmm. um, but it's a it's a leg up for the restaurants that want to do the right thing, the bars that yeah. want to do the right thing, mm-hmm. and, and pay their their staff a living wage. It also allows uh, the back of house employees uh, to uh, participate in a tip pool, right? That's us. Yeah. Um, so, so that you, you, you know, yeah. it, it really does lift up everybody. So not just the the, the servers um, who are also generally white. Um, it, it lifts up the the, uh, right. the black and brown predominantly bodies in the kitchen as well. Yeah. Um, uh, allows them to participate in the in the tip pool and really raises up the whole industry. Yeah. It also means that your employees don't don't then have to have you know three side hustles. They don't have to have a second or third or fourth job. Right. Except as passion projects, which yeah. they can pursue. Um, and it means that yeah, if we have things like paid time off or uh, people being able to take time off, it means yeah. that our employees and the public is healthier. Mm-hmm. And yet we have the National Restaurant Association and the Wisconsin Restaurant Association blocking these things every single time they came up. So they just blocked what was essentially a tax cut for small businesses because they thought it might uh, lead to the slippery slope of uh, people getting a living wage. Oh God, that sounds awesome! Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's next? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, what's next? Right. Like uh, affordable health care? Right. You know, like right. oh Jesus! And that, like, and that legislation did not pass, and it was because the Wisconsin Restaurant Association rallied their troops. They didn't even have the uh, the courage to make a public statement. Mm. They they went. Uh, it was a whisper oh. campaign to all of their predominantly, actually exclusively, with one exception. Republican uh, legislators and said, "This is no good. Kill this." 
Um, and it doesn't surprise me at all. Right? So, <laughs> so a, a tax cut, which would also have benefited uh, employees, became yeah. a partisan issue um, simply because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I don't know. They, they never made a statement. So I'm still waiting to, uh, to see why they opposed it officially. Right. And, you know, I mean, they at least need to give some sort of rationale for it, which, you know, Time and time again, we see there's, there's no like logic. There's there's not much any logic right, right. or or true like um, you know appeal that you know actually does anything to to benefit employees in ways that would be an alternative to what is being presented. Right, like, right, right. and it, it just it doesn't make. Yeah, it doesn't make any yeah. sense, right? <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was amazing being in on their lobby day because you could just see all the behind the scenes, yeah. scenes John. So you know, I. <laughs> I went there and I brought one of my managers who was a dreamer, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they had, they had sat there the entire time and said, um, "It is so hard to find. It's so hard to find good help, essentially." And people keep leaving, um, and mm-hmm. uh, that was the big refrain. And they had you know Scott Walker was there. That was what the, the yeah. picture was from. Oh, right, and yeah. uh, all the the, uh, the who's who list of, of Republicans uh, at the state level. Um, and then I stood up and said, like, so, so certainly, if we're talking about how difficult it is to train and retain staff, mm-hmm. we're going to see the Wisconsin Restaurant Association take a strong, firm stance against deporting people who are already invested in not only our restaurants, but our communities and our yeah. families right. and everything else. They're like, well, no, 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 that's, yeah, that, that doesn't follow. Right. <laughs> like, okay, like, they're, they're, you know, they're already successful. And honestly, our, our dreamer and our immigrant employees are our best employees. They're, yeah. they're the most invested in us right. and our communities. And to, if anything, that's more American than right, what right. half of these right. people are even talking about, it's because right. they're working harder. So my, uh, that that fantastic dreamer employer her name is Alejandra, and is just one of the best people. I, uh, I oh, uh, I, I I know yeah. who she is. Yeah, Shout out to Alejandra. Yeah, we're working now with uh, with Yasmin and both Zilla Frontera. Yeah. She'll be here in, a, in oh, like fantastic. a month. She's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, and she introduced herself to Scott Walker, at which point he refused to even look at her, like wouldn't acknowledge her existence. Mm-hmm. So we did this weird dance where like, I was trying to like, essentially hide behind her so that he would look at her. Yeah. Um, and there's, yeah, but all sorts of really hilariously awkward uh, pictures with the two of us and Scott Walker. Yeah, right. There's nothing more American than like, you know, getting, showing up in the US with nothing or very close right. to it and then finding success and, and building, you know, growing roots and becoming yeah. part of the community. Um, and. It, we're getting to the point where there's nothing more American than trying to rip that away yeah. and then trying to invent excuses for it that are anything but right. xenophobia and racism. Exactly. It's, it's awful. Yeah. I mean, my, my family uh, my family owned a small business for 30 years. Uh, we were a garden center outside of uh, Chicago. And, uh, yeah, they did it for a long time. Uh, but eventually, after the recession, as, you know, uh, the climate uh, grew increasingly hostile, like, not only weather-wise, but economically as well, you know, eventually their business failed because of uh, corporate competition, you know, and, you know, and my parents, like, you know, they, they've worked so, so hard for, to earn very little in return, you know, and, and, you know, to, to not be listened to for legislation at like a national level to only be in the interest of like what is monopolizing these industries it demolishes what this american dream even even means you know like that term is so like um it just it has no meaning because like, it, it just doesn't it doesn't like for most Amer- for most working class americans that american dream is futile you know what i mean 
It is, you know, and the the odds are stacked against uh, people that are, you know, trying to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, like universal healthcare is an equity right. issue. Damn I mean, bootstraps. right? Minimum <laughs> wage is an equity issue. Yeah, the, right. The subminimum wage is an equity issue. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's. And what we were talking about, like where people are working two to three jobs just to sustain themselves, like right. while also maybe having like, um, you know. Uh, while doing community organizing or while right. having some kind of creative outlets, like to balance that much, right, right. you know, it's like to make the sacrifices that are required, you know, where people are, you know, being let go from one of those jobs because they're not, because they're being accused of not prioritizing it, you know, like it's. And that's just it. I mean, people making a living wage have time to organize. They have time to be activists. I mean, yeah. It's <laughs> right. You know, we 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 can't restrict a, a robust interaction with our community, mm-hmm. and and the, and who gets to to say what the community is, and and interacting with that uh, to the people that are are just having living wage jobs. That should be everyone. Yeah. Anybody who's working any amount of number of hours, or if they're incapable of work, mm-hmm. should have enough to get by. And it's yeah. incredibly frustrating so, to see all of that. So as you're, you've gone door to door, and I know this will tie into your yeah. run for Milwaukee uh, County Supervisor, uh, so tell me about, like I guess, like stories you've heard and you know what you're hearing from this community uh, about experiences that you know is really like inspiring your campaign and your work. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the, we... As a community and as, as individual neighborhoods, we really have a lot in common, and I think that's it's often a platitude people throw out there and be like, "Oh, we're all the same." We're absolutely not. And I think, um, you know, I, just today I, I had somebody who you know asked me if I was a Democrat or a Republican, um, and I used to start, I used to couch that in terms of like, "Oh, it's a nonpartisan office," but and I'm like, "No, like I'm a strong progressive Democrat." Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and, and I'm proud to be that. Um, and sometimes that shuts down the conversation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can not. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I had the, uh, the a door literally slammed on, on my foot at one point because I, oh, I was yeah. trying to say, you know, like, first of all, in this in April, there there are no Republicans on the ballot. So really, unless you're not voting at all, you, you have a choice between, mm-hmm. you know, uh, different Democrats in some races, right. different yeah. uh, different levels of progressive or, or levels of right. within that. Um, in others, which but, causes yeah. divi- causes division in itself, as yeah, you're right, right. And yeah. it's yeah. I, I think a lot of people would answer that with it's a it's nonpartisan office, and then going from there. Um, but when that doesn't end the conversation, I think I, I've had really good conversations w- with people who, um, who who feel for their neighbors. I've had um, even baby like not a lot of people ride the bus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a ton a ton of people still understand that like you know mass transit. Um, and and Milwaukee County buses are really important to not only their neighbors that do, uh, but to our economy as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I know we saw um, cuts to mass to mass transit. Big ones were announced, and they rolled back some of the cuts. And some people looked at it as a victory, and it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Mm-hmm. But there were still custom cuts to mass transit. In fact, one of the right. job lines that we cut was up to Menominee Falls. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a couple months ago, Milwaukee Tool was like, "Hey, we have a, a big factory going in there. We've got uh, we, we've got up to 500 or, or so jobs, and now Milwaukee County residents don't have a way to take the bus there. So we're caught, you know, trying to scramble to reinstitute routes that, that were already there." Um, mm-hmm. And I, I bring that up to, to people, and they, they weren't looking for a job at Milwaukee Tool, but they, they know how important things like mass transit yeah. and parks right. and everything else are, or, and senior centers, even if they're not a senior, or even if they are and they don't use those, mm-hmm. they know that those are things that make Milwaukee an important place to live. Oh, yeah. And I'm encouraged every time I see somebody who isn't just advocating 
uh, for things in their own narrow self-interest, but because they're advocating for things that they know their neighbors and friends and family use too. Oh yeah. Um, and the the biggest example of that for me is the 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 Wilson Park Warming Center. Uh, it, it is a Wilson Park Senior Center. It was a, a warming room up until uh, two days ago. Hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know if you followed that. Uh, I haven't seen it all. So um, not to oversimplify it, but every year. Uh, the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County uh, look around when it starts getting cold and they're like, oh my gosh, it's getting cold again this year in Wisconsin. Who'd have thunk it? What are we going to do to make sure that people don't freeze to death on the streets? Yeah. Um, and it seems to be this really thrown together kind of ad hoc thing. There's some really good people doing really good work there, um, both at the city and the county level, but there, there hasn't been the sort of political will to make sure that that's, those efforts are well-funded. And as a result, we have things like churches, we have the Street Angels, uh, Street Angels Inc. Shout out to them. They're doing phenomenal work in the community, um, and, and they uh, they have shuttles. They're bringing people to, to shelters and to warming centers every night sure. to make sure that they literally don't freeze to death. Yeah. Um, what I want to do as a, a county supervisor is declare a right to shelter, mm. and that means that city and anybody in the city and the county um, has an absolute right to not freeze to death. If you need shelter, we will provide it for you. Mm. And from that, everything else follows. So that means that we won't, you know, ideally in November and December start saying, well, is there a senior center where we can put people temporarily? You know, how many beds do we have in, in any given night? Um, and it, it's, uh, we say we have an absolute right to that. Because if government can't do anything else, it should be, you know, keeping people from freezing to death yeah. um, in Wisconsin. It seems like a really yeah. basic, uh, basic service to provide. And every single door that I brought this up on, even people that are relatively conservative, everybody agrees that yes, you know, this is something. Uh, they may not have been homeless themselves. They may not know anybody, you know, without a home. But they they absolutely feel that that that's a right. So mm -hmm. I think finding those those universal values where yeah. um, you know people want to take care of their neighbors, and uh, we just need better ways to do that are, are key. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, yeah, like <clears throat> that should be a conscious thought that occurs whenever somebody you know this time of year in the winter like anyone who you know lives in a house whether they're paying rent or they're a homeowner sure. that should be a conscious thought every time they turn their heat on or every time they leave their house and enter the cold anytime you know they you know are paying their energy bills every month you know that should be a thought that like it it gets freezing out here you know it gets you know like you know we you know people joke all all the time about like how harsh the winters are and how bipolar you know Milwaukee or Milwaukee or just this regional climate is in here in Wisconsin but thinking about how there's people that are out here on the streets that don't have a place to go that don't have a heater to turn on that don't have like just a roof over their head that's gonna like keep them safe from precipitation. You know, they don't have clean clothes that, you know, where they can, you know, be, that they can comfortably change into and be, you know, yeah, safe from the elements. Like, I, I, like I have been thinking about like that. I, like, leave my house to, like, go to work or when I'm coming home from work and it's been, like, really, really cold the last couple months. Like, to think about, like, when I'm walking home, like, yeah, it's cold, but it's like, you know, I have a destination, right. you know, like you, you, you think about the people that don't have that destination that are just like looking, that are asking 
folks for change on the street to get a hot meal. You know, it, it's it's heartbreaking sure. and it's scary. You know, think about so, like to think about people that had to endure like finding a place to to be safe in that horrible uh, art that polar vortex we had last year right, right. that was like you know sub zero for a couple days yeah. where it was unsafe it was dangerous to be outside right, right, right. like and I, I want everybody to be able to take take you know warmth for granted and it, it is absolutely is a privilege right, right, right. yeah yeah it's uh yeah, and you know, and, and props to the to the many people that stepped up, especially during those really cold snaps mm. that, that provided those extra beds. But it should not be an ad hoc. Yeah. Hey, what are we doing this year thing? It, it we, we really have to to have a permanent solution right. in place so that we don't have to you know throw things together at the last minute. Yeah, so. absolutely. That should be something that you know every year like should be um, you know prepared for and should be like by default um, being taken. Being proactive about right. it, definitely, and then you know, and then to go through and, and look at the root causes of homelessness too. Yeah. So I, I think I, I know Chris Larson is running for county exec. It's a mm. phenomenal plan. Shout out to website. Shout out to Chris Larson. Larson. <laughs> Just amazing stuff, and it, it's yeah, it's I'm always really impressed with with people running for office that have really concrete, specific plans. Mm. They got they got the vision, but they also say like, this is what I'm going to do when I get in. Yeah, um, and that's been huge. But yeah, it's um, you know, and, and so much of that ties into things like a living wage too. I yeah. mean. I, many many people who don't have homes are, are, are not the ones who who are unable to work or whatever else. We see mm-hmm. a ton of the the homeless population in in Milwaukee is working, but you know is working at a low enough wage or few enough hours, um, right. thanks to the Wisconsin Restaurant Association um, and their uh, their efforts to suppress wages that uh, that they, they can't afford you yeah. know stable housing. Yeah, right. right. Like, and many of us like you know like I. I come from you know, a very privileged background in the sense where I have a supportive family that has that has supported me financially when I, especially like in the last couple of months when it's been challenging to like, you know, to have like enough hours to pay rent like month by month or, you know, pay for groceries, like, you know, or the privilege of being on government assistance, you know, not everyone has that privilege, you know, and, uh, you know, I've been very privileged that I've had a family that's been able to support too, but the thought of those that don't, you know, that's what we should be thinking about every time we're voting, you know, every time we're, you know, canvassing for the, the uh, political candidates that want to, that are also thinking about those people that, you know, are struggling to stay warm in these months or are struggling to, you know, not face eviction. And, and yeah, exactly. And that that's why I respect the, the people that I do that are that are running for office because they're not only there to provide that safety net to, to be that support structure for people yeah. when they need it the most. Right. But I, I know that they're going to address the root causes um, that are uh, mm. th- that are putting people in that position to begin with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad. I'm glad that these are the conversations that you're having. Um, yeah. So, uh, so on that note. Um, yeah, uh, I want to hear a little bit about uh, Bounce Milwaukee, uh, the the family fun center uh, that uh, that uh, you uh, have started. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, tell me about why you wanted to start it and what it is and everything. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, we have five kids, so essentially, you know, we we needed a yeah. place that. Uh, um, if they can you know, get their energy out, kids, of it. Uh, so kids like Chuck E. Cheese to, to right. some extent. Um, parents generally hate it. 
Right. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, if you ask who you know who's been to a Chuck E. Cheese, every parent will raise their hand. If you ask who really liked it, would like to go back, and, yeah. and nobody does. Yeah. But, right. um, yeah, my, uh, <laughs> I, I think I had the original inspiration for it. I was like, hey, so hear me out. What if we had a, you know, a, an entertainment facility that would be for adults as well as kids? Mm. Uh, and my wife, Becky, was like, you're an idiot. And, no, absolutely not. Um, but we, we kept looking into it. Um, I kept getting kicked out of, um, what was it, uh, Monkey Joe's, which is basically a big warehouse with just inflatables. Oh, I see. And I would bring in my, at the time... I think four or five year old. I'd want to go on the slides with them, and they were like, "No, you can't do that." I'm like, I just want to play with my kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? So we actually called up an insurance company, and we're like, "Could we have? Uh, would you insure an inflatable for adults and kids?" They're like, "Yeah, this costs a little bit more." So yeah. we kind of went from there to you know laser tag, you know axe throwing, and everything else. Mm. And um, yeah, a couple of years into bounce, decided to kind of uh, jump the curb into political advocacy as well. So. Um, I got a letter, uh, my wife Becky owns 51% of Bounds, I should say, I got a letter addressed to Mr. Ryan, inexplicably, um, from Scott Walker's office, um, saying, uh, congratulations for being such a great employer, uh, you were listed on the top of the best places to work list, and that uh, the honor of being on, on the top of that list was really important to us. Um, being called up by Scott Walker was um, hilarious and ironic, and I, I wrote back yeah. to him and I said, um, as, a, uh, as a public employee myself, um, <laughs> You are the worst possible employer. I mean, you you yeah. you know you attempted to crush our unions. I, right. I showed up at the in Madison to to crush education. What you were doing, yeah. right? And when I was a, a public school teacher, you wouldn't give me the time of day. Like, how dare you now? You know, come to me. You know, saying, oh, now that you're a job creator, not a bottom feeder. Right. You know, have this great honor. Um, you know, and <laughs> sorry about your failed presidential attempt. And also, right. my wife owns more of this than I do. Why did you address this letter? Yeah. To me? So, right. so uh, go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a go fuck yourself letter to Scott Walker, and, and I think, um, and, and we had a, a brief conversation uh, prior to publishing that, saying like, do we want to bring our, our business into into the political realm? Mm -hmm. and, and we both said yes, absolutely, it's the right thing to right. do. And we haven't looked back. And now mm -hmm. we do a ton of fundraisers for progressive causes and public education and everything yeah. else. Um, but it, it's interesting talking to other, even very progressively owned restaurants because there's that hesitation right. to, to not want to cross that. Yeah, I remember my parents dealt with the same thing like during the like uh, 08 election. I remember they went through the same thing like with like having the sign uh, in front of your house yeah. and like I remember they lost some business because of that cuz we, you know, like uh we were in the suburb and there were a lot of there were some Republican voters definitely that we're in our, you know, like, so I, I understand the risk that, like, that businesses take when it comes to endor political endorsements. But at the end of the day, like, you can, you know, you don't need to be, it doesn't have to be overt, but everything and everyone is political, you know? And, and that's, that's what kills me. Like, I'll still have conversations on doors. Not so much on doors, but in other places, too. People would be like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't get political. I'm like, that is a place of extreme privilege. See, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. It's that like, just means that you're comfortable and don't want to help anybody else. Right, or that these right. politics that we're voting on don't affect you right, enough. Right, 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 right. Yeah, where you don't feel like you have a voice. But, yeah, like, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and, I, and I hear you, and... It's it, it's been fascinating because most 
most businesses can't, they have to guess at like what will, you know, jumping into politics or taking a stand on important issues. Maybe we've taken stands on like common sense gun control and things mm -hmm. like that. We've, we've had people up in arms. Right. Um, and first of all, it's the right thing to do and that's why we did it. Yeah. Period. End stop. However, we're in the unusual position of having everybody, when they are a customer, sign a waiver when they come in. So we know it when we see them again because we have to look up their waiver, yeah. right? Um, I don't want to generalize, but I'm going to generalize <laughs> generally here. Conservatives are so bad at boycotting. It is just ridiculous. So like, we get all these, you know, we'll take a stance on gun control. We get all these emails. Yeah, right. like, we'll, we'll prepare our staff and be like, hey, we stuck our necks out and said the right thing. You're going to get some hateful calls. Yeah. And we get those. People will right. be like, I'll never be there again. Um, or we'll get emails, you know, where they left their name on it. And we can go into our waivers and be like, well, sir, you've never been here before. It's actually right. you know, threatening not to come back is not a big deal. Or, and this is even more telling, uh, there'll be a current customer threatening not to come back and we will see them again. Yeah, and right. And honestly, we'll be like, yeah, so you're full of shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I know that progressives are good at boycotting. I, I know, you know, I'm never going to shop at a Walmart. I'm never going to eat at uh, Chick-fil-A um, right. again. Um, oh, totally. Conservatives, put your money where your mouth is. Stop coming to our business. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Um, when we take stances on things that you don't like. Oh, just and, people that are anti-progressive, like I've noticed they just, you know, they talk just to hear themselves talk. I mean, I have this guy who uh, has been harassing me for months because I have like openly endorsed Bernie Sanders on the show and that- Shout I, out to Bernie. Speak. <laughs> Love what you're doing, Bernard. Uh, yeah, so, and I'm un unapologetic, proud to be a Bernie Sanders supporter. And, uh, you know, I have this guy that's been He's been like harassing me and like begging me to argue with him. Like he'll literally pull up like episodes or uh, Facebook posts that like I made like months ago, and he'll bring them back up to try to initiate like a yeah. uh, conversation with me about it, trying to like challenge me to argue. And I and I keeps and I, I initially I was like I'm not interested in having this dialogue because I know you don't respect my views anyway, and uh, and like. You know, like he just he just won't even stop, you know, like and I find out like that he's just been like getting so like bent out of shape over the positions I've taken. And it's like, dude, like I'm not phased by the posit by like this conversation you're trying to have with me because like it doesn't affect me. You know, like I know that you like, you don't even have any like what you're demonstrating is that you don't have anything better to do, you know? And uh, and at the end of the day, it's like anyone that would even, you know, uh, take a stance against you for for your political endorsement isn't even like, I mean, it's like a, it's like a, you know, like they clearly see you as like a big enough threat to try to like, you know, bring that emotionally charged like, oh, why are you doing this? I'm not going to support you anymore. They see what you're doing as like a threat. In itself, which is a sign that you're doing the right thing anyway. And two, it's like, well, did you really lose that much? Was there really that much merit to having their support in the first place? You know, it's like, did you really lose that much at the end of the day if it's somebody who, who's, who is threatened by your values? You know, that clearly goes against what your business stands for in the first place. You know, so I think like people like that are just like their encouragement that you are doing the right thing. Sure. Yeah. No, thanks. And it's. Uh yeah, it's fascinating, and I think I'm I'm becoming more able to differentiate between like toxic anger, 
where it's just, you know, I staked out a position and I'm just going to defend this. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, more, more righteous anger where it's, uh, you know, people are advocating for positions or, or, or people based on, yeah, really deep-seated things. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I back candidates who want to raise the minimum wage. That's really important mm-hmm. to me because I see the effect of that, you know, every single day. Yeah. And I, I want to be able to raise ours as, you know, as much as we can without going out of business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, um, yeah, there's a... When, when things are less abstract and they're more more real personal, I have a much longer um, tolerance for them. Yeah. I, I will engage with people right. in a way, and I've had awesome conversations on doors with people that started out really antagonistic, and me mm-hmm. saying, "I don't want to tell you my position. I want to tell you where I'm coming from." Right, and that's why I'm, you know, that's why I'm talking about this. Yeah, thing. and you know, here's my story. Here's my background. Yeah, I think that's that's always a better conversation. Totally, than just position, position, position. So. Right, right. That's and that's that's how dialogue happens. You know, it's like that's how you have like you can you know approach with empathy understanding where somebody comes from what their background is what their experience is with this or that and uh, you know we we have so much like you know in today's political climate i mean rightfully so but you know conversations are very emotionally charged you know but we have to you know we have to like dissect like what somebody like what where somebody's values lie and how you know the the system uh, has you know affected you know what how they see what is best for, you know the best course of action to take and yeah and so it's I mean yeah like that's that's great that like you know you can you know end up having like a, a, a civil discourse uh, with folks that don't see eye to eye I mean that's I, I try to do the same thing you know did you uh, tell me a little bit about your own background I guess like growing yeah. up like how you like kind of like, what led you into you know the the various like political causes and initiatives and your just ambition in general? The uh, the ACLU of Wisconsin, shout out to them, uh, encouraged my um, rabble rousing early on. So I'm a donor. Oh nice, thanks. Five bucks hey. a month. Yes, you probably kept me out of jail. <laughs> I just got the card a couple weeks ago. Oh, card carrying is the membership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a secret back room at Bounds that'll get you in. Oh hell yeah! It's, it's uh, great. I'll keep it in my wallet then. <laughs> nice. We um, so in, in high school I had uh, put together uh, an, an underground newspaper, mm. um, and uh, it was really. I mean, looking back on it now as a, as a former educator, I, I think it was pretty cool. Like we got people from a lot of different. It was like the Breakfast Club writes a, writes a zine, right? Oh, so true. we I, I, a lot of different uh, different people from different um, parts of the school, uh, mm-hmm. and we self-published. We learned how to do layout and design and editing, um, and the school uh, kept suspending me every time we handed it out. Um, Nicolay High School, I thanks. Oh, Nicolay, um, right? And looking back on it as an educator, I'm like, wait, like if my kids, if my students had gotten together outside of school and put together, you know, this really academic exercise, mm-hmm. I would be finding funding for them and encouraging them, not trying to kick them out of school. But eventually, got to the point where it looked like they were going to try to expel me. Um, wow, didn't want that. Yeah. So the ACLU of Wisconsin provided two cooperating attorneys, just phenomenal people. Uh, that went to bat for us, um, and although we didn't win the case, uh, it was mooted out of court. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Nicolay had uh, scared enough students so that nobody would take it on after we left mm-hmm. because they were they were scared to do it. It was in a it was a real confidence booster in terms of um, knowing that there were like adults and professionals out there that would um, that would support you know at the time I, I was a kid you know standing up and trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it was it was neat too. It, it uh, inspired a love for not only journalism but also progressive politics and right, the ACLU. Yeah. I'm still an ACLU uh, legal observer from time oh, to great. time, and that's a it's a fun thing you should try too if you haven't. Oh yeah, you also get a really cool hat. Nice. Really nice. Well, I love hat. I'm a hat wearer. Right. <laughs> this is yeah, like um, nice. Well, that, that was the that was the that was the first time that I was represented by the ACLU. I think I'm on a short list of people that have represented been represented twice by the ACLU. Mm. I, I, I think I get a punch card at some point. Oh, so sure. It's always free, but the third one is like, nice. you get a free cup of coffee or something. Oh, great. Or well, so avid, avid caffeine. <laughs> so that's great. The, uh, yeah, the second time was uh, I, I traveled to Iraq uh, in violation of the travel ban in 2003. Oh, wow. uh, because it looked to me like we were about to engage in uh, war pretty much unprovoked. It looked to me, at least as a 20-something, uh, that uh, <laughs> probably weren't actually weapons of mass destruction there, and that this looked like uh, we were getting ourselves into something pretty terrible. And uh, as it turns out, we were right about that. Yeah, um, 17 years later. Yeah, well, hindsight. Yeah. Right, right. Like the the sheer destabilization of so many nations in that part of the world as a result of our, you know, imperialist policies. Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah, and it was... What I saw over there was really eye-opening, uh, but then um, also seeing, I, I was terrified a few months ago that we were going through the same motions with Iran, um, and I think that's cooled off a little bit, but mm. it, it terrifies me that we can, um, we can play that game of brinksmanship in almost the same way as we did in 2003. Uh, it's not, uh, I... <laughs> My faith in people is based on us learning from things like that and yeah. kind of getting more progressive generally, right. and uh, that was that was hard for me to see again. Yeah, but uh, yeah, being in Iraq was um, incredibly eye-opening. I mean, I was uh, this was leading it, it was leading up to our imminent invasion. So if you were a journalist in Iraq, uh, you would have a minder with you, um, and the minder would sort of tell you, you know, steer you in, in terms of where you could go and what you could do. Uh, we had a minder at the beginning, and then it was clear that things were falling apart, and then we didn't. Um, actually, the minder that we had at the beginning was hilarious, though. We were... Uh, <laughs> I'll let you know how much to get into here. Uh, it was part of the human shield movement. So the, uh -oh. the theory was that if you had a critical mass of like white Western people um, in Baghdad, uh, the U.S. wouldn't drop the bombs. Or if it was a smaller number, they wouldn't uh, destroy the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, so like uh, water reclamation plants and food storage and things like that, that we did in the first Gulf War, we actually went after the civilian infrastructure instead of the military targets, which is a war crime, but we'll, we'll save that for another episode. That is another day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, <laughs> a lot of us were sitting around waiting to be bombed. Um, and, and I was spending time in, in schools and all that, which was also really eye-opening. Um, and uh, our official minder came and was like, we're going to go see a soccer game. And we're like, really? Like, okay, let's, let's go do this. I uh, picked a bunch of us up um, and put us in a, in a stadium. We had really nice seats. Um, and the, uh, the soccer team started playing, and we didn't know what was going on. So I, I'm clapping for everybody. I see the minder looking at me, and he's like, I'm like, oh, so I should be rooting for this team. And he's like, yeah, that's, I'm like, okay, all right, that's, that's great. Let's, let's that. <laughs> um, wow. but, but fascinating to, to talk to um, uh, Iraqis. And uh, yeah, I mean, it really shaped kind of my, uh, yeah, my, my early views on US foreign policy and sort of our, our place in the world too. Mm. So I think I, I went over there, 
I didn't know any Egyptian Arabic, which is essentially what they what they speak. Oh, right. um, so I learned phrases like "I'm an American, but George Bush doesn't speak for me," and uh, "I'm sorry," which turned out to be really useful. Um, but, but the first one I didn't use at all. I think the the, the Iraqi people were masterful at understanding the difference between um, a leader and their people. Yeah, and I, I was never accused of being George Bush, um, which is like a, a good thing, and it was never held against me. It was uh, so it was really. It was really weird to come back to the U.S., be prosecuted for the U.S. for having gone there, and then at the same time uh, seeing all the hate crimes against people who either you know were from the Middle East or Iraq or even looked like that, mm. um, and knowing that I think Americans have a long way to go in terms of being able to differentiate between um, a people and their leader. Oh yeah, so totally, we absolutely do um, because of so many fascistic, dictatorial right, right. regimes that you know are just outright oppressing their people, you know, worldwide, you know, like you see the Philippines, you know, you see uh, India, you know, you see China, Russia, like, um, and then Trump cozying up with like Duterte and all of the dictators. I mean, he, with he really Netanyahu, seems, right? I know it's, it's yeah, incredibly like, frustrating to see yeah. him embracing all the, you know, all the, the worst aspects of the worst leaders. Um, across the U.S. Right. As, and not really getting much pushback from his own party. I think it's it's frustrating. Mm, you're right. Yeah. Like, but you're right. That that is goes a conversation yeah, right, for right. another day. <laughs> but no, yeah. Like absolutely. So um, the last thing I wanted to talk about um, the DNC coming up oh, this yeah. summer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe. Uh, so I just had a guy on the show the other day who is volunteering. He uh, he convinced me to sign up to volunteer, right, which I'm looking forward to for okay. sure. I signed up a, a long time ago, I think, on one of their first websites. Uh, apparently, apparently, there's a lot of slots still open. That's so, great. All right. well, I'll see you down there. Yes, right. you will. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what are you uh, what are you anticipating for the DNC and more Bernie Sanders? Uh, come have your event at Pounce, Milwaukee. We would absolutely love uh, to welcome you. So uh, any of the other candidates too will. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. That's I'm I'm excited for the cultural influx it'll bring from folks from outside the, our city to experience our city and its culture and its creative scenes and you know just how wonderful it is over the summer. Yeah, yeah. I'm also really excited. I mean, that's nice too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, being I guess part of the tourism industry, I should be excited about that. I am. I'm also really excited about what it's going to do to the electorate, to voters here in Milwaukee. Yeah. And and I mean, I think the more attention um, Milwaukee gets in that way, the more people realize how much their vote is mm. is incredibly powerful, um, and how they can influence elections. I mean, including those down ticket races, which are yeah. just incredibly important. Right. Um, so hopefully that'll lead to more mobilization there. Yeah. I mean, we have so many amazing, um, amazing organizations who I, I know have been doing phenomenal work and will be ramping up their work between here and there. And like uh, Black, so Black Leaders Organized yeah. Community. Angela um, Lang will be here on yeah. Thursday. Oh, you have all my favorite people. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's gonna be great. Um, Lit, uh, so le uh, Leaders Igniting uh, Transformation yeah. with their great Hall. Too. They're, I mean, they're they're fantastic. Voices, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's I, I know that they're going to be mobilizing. They also need donations. I think yeah. to do that work even well, so uh, even better. So if you if you have money, send them those uh, their way. I, I, I've seen the amazing work that they can do with few resources, uh, with a couple extra dollars. They can really mobilize, especially uh, in the face of DNC. So. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, we love to see it. Uh, we're going to be tagging some great people and great organizations in this video for sure. So. Um, 
yeah, man, I, this was so great to talk to you it's and great. sit oh, down and, because, yeah. like, I mean, for one, like, um, you know, just to hear, like, hearing, like, specific, you know, experiences you've had, like, not only abroad um, in political advocacy, but also, like, hearing the conversations you've been having in our own city and in you know, like what has inspired you to work hard for social change, not only, you know, in terms of like bigger picture politics, but also on a local scale, like how service industry employees are being treated in the workplace and how, you know, how it's, it's okay to be a political small business, you know, not being afraid to like, you know, stand up for what's right in the face of the status quo, like, that's really inspiring. Like, just on, on behalf of myself, like, I'm, re- it was, it's really awesome to see all the work you're doing. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been good to be here. Sure thing. So, Ryan, as we close out, what keeps you up at night? Oh, um, oh, that's a heavy one. Uh, <laughs> kids in fucking cages. Yep. The concentration camps happening at the border that should keep everyone up at night. Um, what puts you to sleep? Um, Boy, it's uh, the people helping. I'm, yeah, I, I'm really fortunate to have surrounded myself with people that are that are making a change and that are doing like substantial, tangible good here in Milwaukee. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that helps. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Awesome. Thank you, man. Yep. So uh, check out uh, the Prawn, um, advocating for our uh, workers uh, being treated well by their workplaces. Seems it seems like common sense. Or exploited less. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we'll take what we can get, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Brian Clancy from Milwaukee County Supervisor. Thanks for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Ben.